for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, Chris, we have had a really busy end of July over at Duramax Tuner and Calibrated Power. Yeah, it's nice to see uh, the end of the month wrap up the way it has. You know, a lot of shop work. Right. Yeah. A lot of trucks have come in. Um, everything from performance upgrades to diagnostics and everything and anything in between. Um, so it, it's crazy to see the versatility with uh, the techs in the shop and them being able to adopt all the different types of projects that do come in. Yeah, absolutely. Also, would you believe that we only launched the uh, 351VE and 300VG Stell 64s July 4th? Uh, for that turbocharger to be out literally a month, um, the reception that I have personally gotten, you know, it uh, it's crazy. It's been a, a big success and not, not gloating or anything like that, but it's just it's really nice to see man hours and manpower go into R&D on a project. And then between the R&D staff, marketing, media, be able to come together um, – you know, that, that, that product works really, really well uh, for any of our listeners, you know, not as a sales pitch, but if you're interested in a turbo upgrade, I strongly, strongly encourage doing some research and having an understanding of what's currently in the market sure. and what options there are when you want to retain the variable vein geometry. Um, so I'll tell you what, that Stell 64 is a, is a killer, killer option. I'm really, really happy with the way it runs on my truck. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the the interesting things is I think for you who's had it on your truck yeah. throughout R&D for a long time now, yeah. uh, have swapped over to the twins to go to the single and then been driving it and all the different revisions. I know for me, we've been looking at it on the marketing side for six months or so. Yeah. It, it just, I sat down today and I was like, oh my God, the turbo's only been on the market yeah. for a month. Um, and it is, it, it feels like we've been doing it forever, right? Yeah, yeah. I think what what's the biggest home run is, you know, when you do the R and D, it's it's a it's in a controlled environment, right? Like it's one truck or two trucks, and it's the same dyno, and it's the same air quality, and it's the same workload. Um, but then to have customers like some of those early adopters that I've you know had great relationships over the years, that I had guys that have had compounds on their trucks that pulled them off for the single, similar to what I did. I have guys that are looking for that single turbo upgrade, and they did that upgrade. To get that same type of response and feedback that I physically have, right, is kind of like that. Okay, like you know, we're we're onto something. Like it's that, validating. that hour, uh, those years of, of R and D. You know, it was, it was a year and a half. You know, in R and D at this rate, um, was was invested for the right reasons. Right. Um. You know. So, like I said, I think that's going to be a home run charger. Um, I foresee that one being one of those that's going to be hard to keep on the shelf for some for some time. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, see where that thing goes. Absolutely, guys. If you want to learn more about that turbo or any of the other stealth turbos, go and visit DuramaxTuner.com today or shoot us a message over yeah. on our Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook group. It's a fun group. We have a lot of cool stuff going on. We try to share some of the promos, drop some early tidbits about products that are going to be released from some of our sponsors. Speaking of our sponsors, why don't we kick it over and hear from them real quick. Upgrade the factory transmission oil cooler in your truck with the XDP Extra Cool Direct Fit Transmission Oil Cooler. The XDP Extra Cool Direct Fit Transmission Oil Coolers provide you with an upgraded bolt-on design. Each transmission cooler is built with a high efficiency core to maximize cooling. Designed as a direct fit replacement, this transmission cooler comes ready to install with all the brackets, hardware, and accessories needed for installation. 
To find out more about the XDP Extra Cool Direct Fit Transmission Oil Coolers, check out xdp.com or find a local dealer near you. Worldly Custom Fab has been providing custom upgrades for the Duramax, Cummins, and Power Stroke community for over 15 years. Jason, Ryan, and the rest of the Worldly crew are known for their excellence in not just fabrication, but also finish and fit and form. So we know that it's going to be a high performing part. We know that it's going to look amazing. And because of Worldly custom powder coating, we also know we can get it in absolutely any color we want. If you're thinking about upgrading the airflow, or you're thinking about traction bars, or you're thinking about upgrades that WC Fab can help you with, stop what you're doing right now and go to WCFab.com today. The Exergy Performance Fuel System Saver works. If you have a CP4 equipped fuel pump, which is commonly found on the 2011 to 2016 LML Duramax, and also the uh, early 6.7 liter Ford Power Stroke engine, they're known for failure, period. Now, most of the time, if you put a lift pump on the truck, you'll prevent a lot of the potential failures. If you do regular maintenance, you can help help prevent the potential failures. But at the end of the day, there's still a risk that no matter what you do, that CP4 could fail. And when they fail, they have a track record for sending all of the metal shavings downstream. So you end up needing a whole new fuel system, new lines, new injectors, new tubes, new everything. That could be very expensive. Even if you're under warranty or you find a bundle package for a great price, there's still a lot of labor that goes into that, that job. The fuel system saver increases the amount of protection post CP4. So it's not gonna stop your CP4 from failing. What it's gonna do is that God forbid the CP4 gives up and it starts to send metal debris through the truck. It's gonna stop it before it hits the rest of your fuel system. And that's why they call it the fuel system saver. If you have a CP4 pump on your truck, you absolutely need to give DuramaxTuner.com a call today and get yourself a fuel system saver. And we're back. Chris, I am excited. Uh, usually we do a guest or you and I will go do a ride along yep. or something like that. And then we have on a couple of other segments with our super tech, Jeremy Garnett. Yep. And then, of course, our remote support expert, Sean Lynn. This week, Jeremy's segment's so big. Right. That we had to bump our interview and have Jeremy just be our interview. I would have to tell you, Paul, when I think of an influx in calls that come into the office, um, the number one is always in the spring and the fall, and that's regarding fuel mileage with fuel. Yep. Okay. Um, miraculously, guys' trucks get better in the summer months, right? And they don't understand why, and then their trucks go to shit in the winter, and they don't understand that. Um, but the next the next uh, probably notch of, of phone calls that we get, volume-wise, is setting up trucks for sled pulling around sled pull season. Yeah. And we're in the mecca of sled pulling, being in the Midwest. Like, if you own a diesel truck, you've either been to, have participated in, or have heard of a county fair with sled pulling. Yeah. Um, um, so it's kind of like that, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's a natural thing that you do. Um, and I think that a lot of guys, uh, they go into this because they have a diesel truck, gas truck, whatever, but there's some stuff you need to do to prepare before you try lugging that sled 300 feet. You know, I, I love this too, because I think so many people show up and watch a fair sled pull a couple of times, yeah. or maybe when they're young and then their buddies get into trucks and they get into trucks and they're like, all right, man. 
So I got an F-250. Let's go pull it. Let's go. Let's go yank and, the sled. And, and that's it. Yep. And they, they really not much more thought into that until something breaks. And then the next year they're out there and they've spent some money. Yep. And then they do mediocre in the pack. Yep. And then they're like, okay, so I'm going to spend some more money yep. to do it. And I don't know how many guys we talked to that spent that money the wrong way well, three times. Every guy that you talk to wants to be the local hero at their local sled pull, at yep. their local county fair. They want to be the guy on top. They want to be able to flex and say that their truck's the most badass. I got it. And speaking of setting up a truck to be the most badass we have a really cool program we do where with the local sled pull club around us isp that's a line state pullers uh we sponsor a shootout yep so it's three pulls you have to go to all three, three different yep. county fairs which are consecutive uh and then pull and then what we'll do is we record the distance from each pull and at the end the top three longest distances they win Right. right, so so we put up now. Some there's prize some money. stipulation around this, so it's stock appearing turbochargers, right? That is so right. we call it the stealth shootout, okay? Um, and this is any stock appearing turbocharger, any of the competitors in the space. It just it has to be a stock appearing turbo. That's the only caveat. So it doesn't matter what the inducer is on the compressor. It doesn't matter what compressor wheel you have. That does not matter. The setup of the truck doesn't matter. It just has to be stock appearing. That's right, and 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 we, we we've set this up because. Well, we know that there's a lot of guys out there who don't qualify to pull in like a, an official work right. stock. Well, now let, let's let's classify that, right? Yeah. Over the last, I would say, eight years, okay, every year uh, there are new rules and regulations around some of the classes, and yeah. work stock isn't necessarily that that same work stock as it once was. Well, work was. stock, I feel like, is getting squeezed out in a lot it of is. places yep. where now they're requiring you have to be a stock turbo only. Yep. Or you go up to like a two five two five, and that that that's big money. That's serious trucks. Like you're yeah. you're talking a a professionally set up truck to pull in a two five, which is unfortunately your entry level these days. Right. Yeah. Hanging weights yep. like a, a giant weight box up front. Yep. That's entry level. So so we wanted to kind of bring back that work stock that that daily driver enthusiast. Who wants to go out and compete once a year? Yep. I, I don't want to have a truck just solely dedicated to sled yep. pull. I want to drive this thing yep. to work on Monday. You want that average And driver. on Tuesday, I want yep. to hit the, the sled pull track. But even with that, there are modifications that need to take place to the chassis to not just be competitive, but be reliable. That's right. And so that is why we have with us today our super tech, Jeremy Garnett. Jeremy, how the hell are you? Wonderful. How are you? Doing good, man. Uh, Jeremy, usually you and I get to do your super tech segment alone. We got Chris in here today, so I'm sorry. I know. It's kind of uh, weird. It's, uh... <laughs> He's not making eye contact. <laughs> That's what I mean. I kind of feel like I'm you know, in a sardine can, you know? <laughs> I thought it was just my mustache. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, you have the truck that we're sending out to the Stealth Turbo Shootout getting ready right now. Yes. So that, that's been the thing that you're working on. Um Chris, we had, I think, probably too long of a discussion on which company truck to send to the yeah. shootout. Uh, so we talked about sending Nick's 2020 L5P. He was not interested. No. Uh, we talked about sending, God, we have a, a Dually LML, but it's two-wheel drives. Yeah. That wasn't a legit option. We talked about sending the Apache, yep. uh, but yep. one of the sled poles was kind of far away, and I don't think we were going to get yeah. Nick to commit to drive yeah. out there. And having somebody else drive it anymore is no, like getting he, less and less he common. He wanted to drive all three of those. Yeah. yeah. If it was the Apache. Yeah, that, that's what it came down yeah. to. Um, and then there were a few others in the fleet that, that we talked about. We just decided ah, we either we've done it or maybe yeah. the truck's not ready or we have some different plans well, for the future. What I think what it really boiled down to is, is we have a, a – good amount of employees here and we've 
we've used some of those guys or those guys have used the opportunity in the past to go sled pull. Yeah. Um, and Workstock is really that like stock truck with some bolt-on upgrades. Um, we have some newer employees at the shop that they wanted to kind of get involved and guys that have been here for a while but they really haven't sled pulled and they wanted to get involved. So we figured uh, we, we have a, an O2 uh, LB7. Yeah. Um, it's it's really the run of the mill. It's it it really resonates, I think, with a, a good portion of our customers. Um, you know, 180,000 mile crew cab short bed. Uh, it's it's got the built transmission. Um, it has stock injectors. It it has some fuel system upgrades like a lift pump, and we did do the CP3 because the, the original CP3 was starting to fail. Um, and it and it has one of our drop in chargers. Um, it it's really one of those like you can go on Craigslist, you could find a stock truck, and if you had some money to throw at it, you could replicate this for relatively a, a, a decent cost. And the idea here is, is that this truck is perfect for someone to get their feet wet with sled pulling. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Oh, so, 100%. so Jeremy, you got the truck and it had a built trans, a turbo, and the fuel system was yep. done on it. Yeah, so, what Chris just said was yeah. exactly what was done to it. So, so that's how it got rolled over to you. Now, the truck is usually used to basically run parts. Yeah, it's basically it hauls a, parts a trailer parts and once testing, in a great yeah. while. Parts and testing. A little yeah. bit of testing here and there. Um, so, so you got the notice, hey, we're going to go sled pull with this truck. Did you get a parts list of here's the things we want you to put on it? Or did somebody, did Nick just hand it off to you and say, like, we want to go sled pull, go get it ready? Uh, basically, here's a truck. This is what we want to do with it. Okay. okay. So, um, Okay, now then, that's when we start going over the parts list. Okay, what do we want to do? How far do we want to go? And how, how much do we? How big do we want to? Compete? So, what yeah. do those? What that parts list look like? Since you know the drivetrain, as far as the trans and motor, those are pretty much set up. Yeah. So everything we're talking about might be you know uh, suspension wise stuff yep, like that. So exactly. what, what's that stuff look like to prepare for something like this? Well, first thing we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure the hitch was okay. Okay, because I mean an O2 thing's already what nineteen years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean twenty years old. So. Hitch. Well, we decided the hitch wasn't good enough because it's just a stock hitch, rusty. We want to make sure it's going to be able to pull. The we've seen we've seen guys at sled pulls. The uh, sled took up to the trailer and the hitches fall off the exactly. fucking truck. <laughs> so that's real. I that's real. A, I was at a pull with you last year. Yeah, yeah. and then it happened. Yep. Um, but yeah, and then um, tie rod sleeves. You know, tie rod sleeves. We want to, and then we're also going to put on this one because it's a cheap upgrade. We're going to do the idle idle arm and pitman arm. The um, the braces for it okay a dirty hooker you know yeah all the guys sell them but yeah i mean they're a cheap upgrade we just want to make sure that suspension is low and so it stays let's, let's talk about this a little more let's dive yeah. into this so we're talking primarily these are upgrades that would be done on a duramax uh -huh. and this is mainly due to the ifs front end yep right so as far as the tie rod tie rod ends or tie rod sleeves like what's the purpose of doing tie rod sleeves and what is the purpose for dropping the rear uh, the front end of the truck okay well yeah i mean the tie rods i mean everybody knows that they're just from the factory they're just they're tiny yep i mean and once you drop the front end because you of course you want the front end dropped as far as you can because in four low toe haul you know pulling the sled you're going to pull the front end up and you're putting so much torque on it the top rods just want to tow in that's so, right. and, and when they tow in if you don't have those sleeves on there what's going to happen is those tie rods are just going to bend yep and then potentially if you wanna, break it, it potentially break right and if you're one of those guys that actually like wants to drive the truck home <laughs> I mean, you're gonna be driving home with the tires towed in i mean we've there's another one that we've seen quite a few just, just nasty one of the one of the wheels yeah. just wheel goes left wheel goes right and that's it Ex yeah you know yep. yeah so if you could imagine your front end looking like duck's feet and just pointing in two yeah. totally opposite directions <laughs> I, I mean that's really what happens when your tire rod snaps. And what, what's crazy with that too is is it, for one that's 
a huge oversight with guys. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's a novice rookie move. But like Tyrod's sleeves are cheap. Like oh, yeah. they're sixty bucks. I was gonna say they're under hundred bucks. Yeah, they're like shipping. the cheapest insurance for the front end. That is the cheapest way to ensure that you have a higher probability of driving the truck home. Yeah. Right. You know? I mean, yeah. even if you're just going to the track or you're not going to I mean you're doing a dirt track, a racetrack or, yeah. or you even, just drive like or an you just asshole. drive like an ass. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've had guys where they, they you know they're uh, they're hunters, you know, yeah. and they'll drive their trucks off road and they'll break a tire rod just going off road, you know, oh, being in yeah. four wheel drive on that uneasy ground. Yeah, I know, remember the first first dino day we had, uh, I met a customer who swore up and down that somebody had stolen his truck and when they were backing it out they backed it out up on top of one curb and then went to go pull out and it like went too wide and the they vulnerable. bumped it into the curb the front tires into the curb on the opposite side yeah. of the street snapped the tire out the guy jumped out and ran away Jesus. um so he is like oh man great security insurance and i'm like i <laughs> don't know if that's what i would call that you lucked out that's yes. a wild story but, but yeah um but but it is right. Yeah. So so it's it's they're one of those vulnerable spots, and and it's pretty easy. What is what is putting on a set of tie rod sleeves do? Because I have seen guys fuck that up. Literally, you have to. They can't well, count the threads. They, yeah. Exactly, they can't count the threads. Um, now it's literally just taking the outer tie rods off, and then you have to take the jam nut off, and then the, the new tie rod sleeve is actually the new jam nut for the tie rod and to tighten it back up. Okay. Now when you guys are talking about counting the thread, what does that mean? So on an inner and outer tie rod end, there's threads on it so you adjust toe in and out so when we take the outer tie rod off we just want to count how many threads and so revolutions it takes to come off okay so and then we want to be able to put that tie rod back on after we put the sleeve back on the same amount revolutions gotcha. that way I, you can avoid you know having to go in for another alignment exactly you yep. know that's really what it comes down to yep, right, right. It's, it's just knowing that ahead of time like think it through don't don't be me and look at the job and go oh well i just take that part off and put this part on so and then get done and be like man why does it drive like shit like my tire is um, now you just paid another fourteen hundred dollars on two tires because sled pull tires are expensive you know for the type of tire that you need to use yeah exactly so we get the front end beefed up right We, we have all that what what else goes into well, Preparation. Just, just real quick, yeah. Chris. Pittman and Idler Arms, you, you mentioned a brace kit. I remember always talking guys up into like the full kryptonite front end Man. package with a new Pittman. That wasn't and your money arms. getting spent. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but 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 they make nice stuff. Yeah, I, I mean sure. you gotta you gotta admit, like it's it's cognito or cognito or kryptonite. Or kryptonite. Those like, are those killer. are the two, you know, if you're buying a front end for a Chevy, you know, that that's where That is go. what you do, yeah. right? Yeah, you but just can't beat it. But the brace. So yeah. what is the difference in the brace like in, as far as performance goes? Is it going to hold up as well as going to like the full new front end? Well, so actually your new Cognito and Kryptonite front ends come with these braces. Um, gotcha. Their own version with the other upgraded parts. Okay. But they actually make factory ones that actually keeps that center link you know, that is attached to the idler and Pippin arm. And it keeps it more stable. It, more stable. Gotcha. So, I mean, and it just keeps it from flexing. And what you're trying to do is all you want to do is keep those wheels straight and low yeah. and straight and low and the more you can do that with the braces and those tie rod sleeves the better chance you're gonna have i like that now right. so the front end we want low yep right real Makes low sense. Yeah. now we drop the tire can... pressure this is another one that i think we well, skip over a I lot think we'll get to that we'll get to okay. the tire pressure part because i i want to and i got excited to talking about the back end um <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways so you, you have the front end low right and the idea yep. there is is the the, the contribution of weight, right? As the sled come, the truck comes and it's it's making its power. The back end is going to be fixed more or less, right. and that's rear end suspension stuff. Yep. And you want the front end to be low because you want to have 
the front tires still dig. You yes. want those front tires pulling the chassis. Yeah. All right. So what do we do on the rear end? So what we do on the rear end is we actually put a, um, we do two different things for budget. Um, if we're doing it, we're going to do it cheap, easy, so that we're going to use leaf spring clamps. And we're going to actually clamp the leaf springs in the front and the rear. And instead of putting a set of traction bars on this truck for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars, we're going to actually just put clamps on it. So we're going to try to keep the axle from wrapping. Okay. So the... So if we can actually take those leaf springs and we can tie them together and clamp them together, that'll stop the rear end from wrapping. Because there's less flex. Because there's less that flex. That momentum, right. it's not. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a cheap way of doing it. Uh, the right way, of course, would be putting traction bars on it. But That's not know, what this truck is set up for. That's not what this truck's for. Right. right. Okay. Um, and then what also we're going to do is we're going to put a set of suspension stops in it. Now, so what's the purpose of that? The suspension stops for the purpose is so... The hitch height on you know our trucks here have to be 26 inches well if we don't want the rear end to squat so what we want it to do is those suspension stops are going to be you know half inch off the axle and then it's going to hold that hitch high in the air so you're saying sled drops onto the onto the hitch you're going to have a half inch of compression more or less of the spring and then the bump stops stop the truck from dropping any lower exactly okay yeah Yeah. because we want the rear end high the front end low okay and that's basically how you're fixing that weight distribution so the truck doesn't have you know uh that too much of that you know that doesn't turn into a carolina right right exactly yeah the other thing i i know on pinching the leaf springs is you're trying to prevent some of the bounce there bounce, right yeah. so that's a real big one to buy that'll kill your truck as it, you're down the track both do that so by yeah. actually suspension yeah, stops suspension and, stops as and well. the, that will yeah stop bounce okay. um but again the whole idea is keep that rear end high so your front end is lower the front end is digging better right. now one of the things that i always notice when i go to a sled pull is these trucks look like their tires are flat yeah you you want to run 15 pounds of air 15 pounds 10, 10 pounds of air and you want you want those tires to you want them to grab. Now, that's going to also, you know, one thing that I always do when I go to the sled pulls is I always try not to be first. And I watch what the other guys are doing and what they're setting their tire pressures to and then seeing how the dirt is, seeing how the ground is. Yeah. And then I kind of position myself for tire pressure based off of what other guys are doing. If the track's really dry, yeah. do you take your pressure up or down? I would say if the if the track is dry, pressure down. Yep. And if it's really sticky dirt, down or up. I'm going to have a little extra pressure. A little, a little extra, extra, yeah. Yep. Um, and then I usually bring a little mini portable, you know, plug-in yep. cigarette lighter compressor that'll give Something you Something that you and pounds. I never do. Yeah. yeah ever. Yeah. <laughs> we could always go down. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could always show up and go down and be like, we'll go to the gas station to get it back up to right. get home. Like, <laughs> <laughs> at that point, and you then, know. Okay, and that, well, speaking of tires and stuff, but that's what we also did. Is we took the stock tires off it, so it was a 265. Yep. And now we want a real bigger, small, real small. We want a bigger tire. So on this, you want, well, I want I want to hit on on the tire pressure a little bit more. Okay. So as oh, we're wow. talking about dropping you the tire you pressure, don't comprehend low and high. Well, I, I think I got I think I got some of the direction about low and high. I need more on pressure. What, what what I want to understand and what I want listeners to understand is really like when you're dropping it, what's the benefit? What's the benefit of lowering your PSI or adjusting your PSI to the dirt? Is it about getting a wider um, footprint so the tire wraps over and you're, exactly. you're stretching out to yeah. more area? The wider footprint, I think, is going to come into the tire size that you go with. Okay. The advantage of lower pressure is having more ability for that tire to grip into the dirt itself. If it's a dry dirt, right, and it, yeah. it's a harder ground, and you have a tire pressure with 50 pounds of pressure, you know, there there's not much as you're turning that tire that it has to grip into. 
tire blowing okay. too. So, Correct. Yeah. Yep. So you you want that ability a little more squished because you want that tire to actually kind of compress into the dirt. So a softer tire with less pressure. Isn't it the same amount of weight on it? So the amount of pressure being applied to the ground is the same regardless of what your PSI is in the tire? No, because the tire won't balloon as much with more pressure. Okay. So in the center and of more the tire, force, the tire is more force. Flex. The center of the tire is going to balloon more. So less pressure, it won't balloon as much. Okay, I'm with you. So interesting. Okay, good. I'm I'm glad. All right. So then, how do you pick the right tire? I I like doing street aggressive, if that's even a word or it's like yeah. street aggressive. You know, uh, we like Terra Grapplers. Okay. Just because it's a, it's not a mud train, but it's a little bit more aggressive than an yeah. all train. I um, think. Uh, the the tire that we have on that was a the tire that we used on the Cummins back in yep, nineteen yep. when when I when Tim and I were doing a lot of sled pulling yeah um and it's not a Terra Grappler is it a Trail Grappler it's Ridge a little grappler. something Ridge Grappler Ridge grappler. little yeah. more aggressive yeah it's okay. definitely aggressive tire like the sidewall the tread yeah. like it's it's serious it's yeah. it's a serious meet to say the least okay yeah, you want something that's gonna grab the dirt and just be able to grip it and yeah just... now how long do you get out of a set of tire sled pulling. Because I've talked to guys that swear up and down that they do like two, three sets of tires every season. I mean, I think that you know now you're now you're talking die hard, yeah. like yeah. you know money, like fuck the money, right? They they wanna they wanna win and they go to every pole. But if I'm a weekend warrior, do I need to go buy a set of tires? Can I run my stock tires on the on the dirt? I think I wouldn't run a stock tire because as you turn the truck's power up, you also need um, a. You need gearing in your yeah. favor, right? So okay. it's really common for sled pull guys to run like a 35 or a 34 inch tire, right? It's yeah. just it's just the nature of the beast. As like, big as the class will allow you to. Uh, yeah, yeah, some classes might not have like a restriction, um, but you want to be able to run the biggest tire you can with clearing on the truck, and then you kind of want to gear up the tire size for the power output of the truck. Okay. Okay. Um, so you know when you get into the you know the big power stuff like 35s are kind of like. That's the ticket. And that's because I'm trying to change my gearing so that I get more power down low because I don't care about top speed because I'm not going to do more than 30 miles you, an hour. You don't want to run out of gear up top, right? So right. you you, you want to try to minimize the shifting, right? So if yeah. you run out of gear, you don't want to run out of gear. You want to keep the engine in its sweet spot. Um, but if you have like a 31-inch tire, like which is stock on our O2LV7, um, and you're doing a second gear lock with the ability of the trans to shift into third, so second gear start with third, you know, you're you're talking a few mile an hour that you're going to lose if you keep a 31 versus going with a 33. Right. Gotcha. So it's all about keeping that engine in a rev range where it can be powerful, efficient, and not run outside of its RPM window where the trans needs to shift. Yeah, keep that That's where happy. shit breaks. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that once or twice. We have. Yeah. <laughs> People with, jumping with, with into fourth trucks. and out of fourth. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and this truck here is actually a 33 yep. because we're doing that within the power level. Okay. So, I mean, this truck isn't going to be tuned up to 800. No, no. I mean, it's no, it's 600 horsepower. This, this is a turnkey right? 600 horse, yep. you know, yeah. average Joe daily driven truck. Yeah, it's the, basically the biggest tire we could fit under it under a stock truck yep. and still turn. Oh, man. Every forum on earth just needs to hear that. <laughs> still turn point. <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest tire I could fit on stock ride height? Um, we've all heard it. We've all read that oh, comment. Right. Uh, and no one ever puts offset in the wheel in the consideration. So no, no, You no, have no, these no. guys <laughs> yeah. putting like 44 offsets on 35s, like just Bro, the whole fender's fucked up. It like, rubs. <laughs> it rubs. all. I mean, um, I've been there before. So. Yeah, 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 I've seen them. <laughs> all right, so we did front end suspension, rear end suspension, hitch. 
tires. Anything else? Well, you have to have the proper, actually, receiver in the hitch. So they won't let you pull if you don't have the proper hitch. Um, and then also we put bump stops on ours just so the sled won't hit the back of the truck. I've only seen it happen once, but I don't it want happens. that. I, it happens, yeah. and I don't want that to be when I'm driving. Oh, man. Yeah, when the sled slaps the back end of that truck, it's, it's, it is violent. Yeah. I've never been in a truck when that happens, but I've been in the stands when that happens. Yeah. And in the stands, it's like, oh, I've my I've been like God. 15 feet away with a yeah. camera pointed at it, and it hits, Boom. and you just every, you can feel every Your body, person yep. in there just cringe. Right. Just literally shoulders come up, neck drops down. You're just like, oh, yep. that hurt. Like oh, Everybody's going to be like, oh, it just hit the bumper. Well, the bumper hit the bedsides. Yep. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's also like, bump, are, we right. t- are we pretending like bumpers are cheap all of a sudden? Right, like exactly. I'm, I didn't know everybody else had just an extra supply of bumpers yeah. to throw on here. But yeah, that and then like I said, the hitch height, you know, um, every category is different. Uh, every state's different. Ours, you know, we set ours to where we have to. But yeah, the hitch, they actually have to have a hook style or a round style hitch so they can hook the chain in. The hoop. A hoop yep. style. Yep. And uh, but yeah, hitch. And basically that's that's the basics. There's the <laughs> other one. You know, I was at a sled pull at Rudy's years ago and I was down there with a couple of guys who were kind of local to that area and they were so excited to sled pull, like sat in a booth in like 120 degree Carolina heat all day long, <laughs> yep. just waiting for the sled pull to start. Sled pull starts, they roll their truck over to tech, turn around, come back looking mad as fuck. And I'm like, what's going on? Yep. They're like, wrong size hoop. We have whatever, a two inch hoop right. and they only like they're only using two and three quarters. So like they were out there cutting and welding yep. hoops together to like get it to fit so the hook would fit. Right. Check the rules, man. Check yep, the rules. Make exactly. a call. I've never met a sled pull organization or even a sled pull organizer, even if it's like just a brush pull, that you couldn't call and just ask the basics. Like, hey, what size hoop do I yep, need? Right. What is the maximum receiver hitch height that I'm allowed to run? Mm-hmm. Like, like they are very willing to give you these rules. Like, yep. very willing to give you these rules oh, yeah. so that you don't end up showing up and then having to run out and wrench on the truck or cut shit apart or try to, you know, fix something yep. in a parking lot at a county yep. fair, right. which well, I think we've all seen. I think there's one of those things I always do. I guess it's a little different of a topic, but I always downplayed sled pulling until I really started doing it more because there there is a an art to driving the truck. It's not just flat footed and go type thing. So it, it you're pissed off in the in the in in the in the grounds or right and working on this, trying to get it to pass tech so you can pull. Yeah. You're already your emotions are high, your anxiety is high rushing to get this done and then you have to pull in front of a bunch of people with a sled behind you you have one shot and you want to do better than every other person you're competing against right so like being that you go to an evening sled pull and you're only there for three or four hours that time passes in the snap of a finger and it's there's no do-over there's no nothing so it just goes by super fast and your anxiety, my anxiety at least, is is super high at that point that like I never get to really enjoy any of it. Yeah, Chris, you would get so anxious, you would do things like not turn the GoPro on, even though I told yep, you to right. one minute before. Well, like for me, it was always, you know, the the Cummins, you know, you have it down to a science. And different turbocharger setups are going to drive differently on on how you have to, oh, you know. Yeah to do your pull and different ground conditions also play a role in, in how you're going to let the truck go off the line and, and make it down the track. So yeah, to your point, like I would always forget the GoPro footage because I was so in my head, like, okay, torque converter tune throttle, 
break. And then, you know, that that's all that was playing in my head yeah, the whole time. And it sounds so simple. Like, I'm saying it now. I'm like, dude, I'm an idiot. Like, right. that's oh, I, could, I couldn't get through my four-point yeah. checklist. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> but then you have someone like, you know, our, our Timmy, right, who did yeah. pulling. And there were times in the past where, like, he would hit the converter switch too early or too late. Like, right. you know, simple move. And, like, for us, it's like, oh, that's so dumb that he did that. But it's like, no. Like, when you're in that moment and your adrenaline's going, like, you're just thinking of what you need to do, not paying attention to the ground speed, RPM, gear. Like, you have to have that sense of feeling across the entire board of the truck. Sure. So you know what you're doing. Right? And, and I, I will say this. Like, with drag racing – there is definitely guys who have to spend a lot of time getting to know their truck yeah. and how the truck is going to hook up and how the truck is going to launch. But a lot of what they're learning is that very beginning of the race. Yeah. And then once you're down the track, it's more about like, do I need to pedal no, to manage you know the clock? There's, or, there were but, so many, so many trucks that I, I personally competed with in, in 19 yeah. where they're, I mean, bigger turbo trucks, more powerful trucks than, than what we had. Oh, yeah. And I would put 20, 30 feet on them for how I left the line. Well, and, and, and that actually what I was going to say about sled pulling, what I've learned a lot is that it's after you leave the line, your checklist doesn't stop. No. Like you're you're not able oh, to right. just flat foot and let her sink. No, no, right? no, no. Till, till you back at like there is no back half again. No. Like like if you got a bad launch off the line, you're probably you're probably out of the game. Yep. Right. So so but even if you get a really good launch off the line, you get the sled and you're singing and the weight box is starting to come down and you can start to feel it slow down. How many guys do we know that then just put their foot to the floor right there? Well, just, just you, 100%, 100%. Give it everything yeah. she's got, yep. baby. And, like, at a drag race, I get that concept. Like, it okay, I fucked up my launch. I'm, I'm going to keep my foot pinned. If I got spray, I'm going to pray and go. Yep. Yep. And that's it. Like, you you just hold on. Yep. But at a sled pull, that's when you're going to break shit. Jumping around gears when you don't know what yep. you're doing. Jumping up to fourth, down to third, back to second. Like, Which like, you don't necessarily have a ton of control on. With what gear it's in at that point, but your skinny pedal, you know, the skinny pedal does, and that's your foot. That's so it. That's that's planning power to the ground, right? Yeah. And that's that's experience. That that's does. knowing the truck, you know, like. But exactly what your guys were just saying now. Then you go into truck bounce. Yeah. Yeah. When the truck starts bouncing. So oh sure. What, like, what do you do? Like, you know, like. The slide's coming down. The truck starts bouncing. Do you let off? Do you go in? Oh, you lay in it harder. It starts bouncing. You yeah. want to see if you can bang your head off the roof. Yeah. No, so don't, I mean. don't do that, guys. It's, 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 it's just joking. Don't thing, do that. You know, like, the but, but then also, how far do you back out of it? How many right. guys have we seen it starts bouncing Snuffs a the little charger, bit? It's done. And they, right. they pull yep. their foot all the way out. And you're like, what? Bro, you're at 120 feet. Yeah. You can't repull. Yeah. Like, We've you're stuck. A thousand times our trucks run 100 feet, we're done. I yeah. think the biggest thing for myself, because Jeremy, you, you've never sled pulled. No, I've never done. And, and you're, you're doing it. You're doing, doing it this, this, this yep. uh, next to coming weeks. Yep. Um, the biggest thing that I had in the back of my mind is I'm not telling Nick I broke the truck. I'm not telling <laughs> Nick I broke the truck. Because Nick doesn't let stuff go, right? Like, yeah. he, he is all for you doing something until it costs the company money. And he's like, <laughs> what the fuck, bro? Like, what, what was this? So, you know, the, to your point, like, when the truck starts hopping, you know, there, there's no, there's no right way to back out of the throttle, right? It's just, it's, it's a sense of feeling, and you it either, is. you either feel it and you know, and you get lucky, yeah, or you don't get lucky and you fuck the pull up. Because right. we've also we've seen guys that have a ton of experience that have still run into these problems, oh, yeah. that still make these mistakes, sure, yeah. just because you've been doing it for 10, 20, 30 years, whatever, doesn't mean you're not going to get out there in the same truck you've pulled thirty times yep. and have a problem this yep. week. Uh, some of this stuff you can give yourself kind of the 
put yourself in the best position possible, yep. but there's no crystal ball. No. Nobody no. knows for sure this is going to fix it or <laughs> All, this is going to take care of it. The only thing you have the control over is, you know, for like for myself when I was doing a bunch of it, you know, I would always have my foot on the brake, build up boost, leave on 15, 16 pounds. I never flat foot the truck. It was always a half throttle, and I would let off the brake as the truck was already going. Yeah. Okay? And then by like 80 to 100 feet, when I knew I was gaining that traction, I'm already doing 15 mile an hour, I know the vehicle is pushing and going forward, flat foot. Yeah. You know, by that time, like you either got it or you don't. The truck starts hopping, <laughs> you back out of the throttle slightly, not 100% because you don't want to lose right. your momentum. You don't yep. want to lose turbo boost, but just enough to where you can tame the truck down and then you you feather into the throttle, right? You play with that to momentum. Momentum's the biggest thing in this. It really You got to keep the truck's momentum plunging forward because that's what's going to keep the sled moving forward. And, and so that's an interesting thing to bring up. How many times have we heard guys say that they want to run at 4,500 RPM in their stock block Duramax? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh no, no. Every year. Yeah. Every spring, think... you get guys asking to run 4,500 RPM. And, and, and I understand the general concept of this. I want to run higher RPM so that when the weight hits, it'll pull me down into my peak power window. And I'm like, well... What if you were just making peak power the whole time right. instead of being way past your efficiency window, burning a ton of extra, well, creating a ton of heat, and then not getting any more power out of the truck? What I think it is, Paul, is it's 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 learning from what you watch. So these guys that are in their work stock trucks are seeing the ultimate class, right, where these engines are designed to run at 4,000, 5,000 RPM. Yeah. Um, and that's that's not a stock-appearing turbo stock motor <laughs> truck. Um and yeah, the concept that they have of like bang 4,000 RPM and let it bring you down into your RPM window, yeah, in a theory, I guess it makes sense until you think of physics and you think of momentum, right? right. If you can keep the engine in its operating range and you can start, and you might not, you know, start off with, I'd rather start a pull where I am building momentum in vehicle speed than start a pull with the truck just shredding the tires. Right. Yeah. That you're losing, you're losing yeah. it at that point. You, the truck is trying to do something, but the momentum of the vehicle isn't doing anything. Right. Yeah. If you see your ground speeds at 55 and you haven't moved six feet yep. yet, you right. know you fucked you're up. You're done. Yeah. That sled's already starting to move. Yeah. That that sled's already taking you for a toll. Like you're not going to make up that difference in or that distance in the back half, like at a drag strip, <laughs> no. like you had mentioned. No. No. So. I love it. Man, this has been fun. Yeah, uh, this was a good one. Jeremy, anything else you would recommend for somebody who's at home on a limited budget and just wants to pull at the county fair this year? No, not really. That's just that's the basics of just to get out there and use your stock truck and be able to drive home. What would you say? Cut the Duramax out of the equation, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have a Cummins. Okay. okay. It's Gross. uh oh, shut <laughs> up. You're tasteless. Um, let's say you got a Cummins. It's not a four-link setup like a newer fourth right. or fifth gen. So okay, so it's a Leaf setup. Yep. What are the probably the most important budget-friendly upgrades that you would do to set up a truck on for that? Uh, bump stops. No, I'm sorry. Uh, suspension stops. No okay. bump stops. Suspension stops, especially because you can't lower the front end down. Right. Unless you're going to start changing uh, the, springs the springs and stuff, and stuff like yep. that. Entire uh, pressure. Okay. I mean, and those and honestly that 06 we ran you yeah. ran two years ago i mean i went to probably 10 of those poles i set that truck up yeah that truck is a suspension stock suspension truck and that truck competed every yeah. single time we went out with it no that truck and, that truck was consistent and yeah. the two things that were really done to that truck were suspension stops and tire pressure it's so easy and yet we we guarantee when we go out next week we're going to see somebody no, I mean, doing it wrong but, that, but, but it's okay but that's it's okay. the part that i want to highlight with this like 
even all the resources that this company and us have, right, and retain, things happen because you you have one shot, you have that 10 seconds of fame, it's either you brought it or you didn't, and your anxiety and just everything rushes in at once, and it, it is so fun. That is the funnest 30 miles an hour I've ever done in a vehicle, <laughs> let me tell you. You know what's going to be exciting for me on this one is, oh, so this truck is this going to be the same truck, same setup, three different drivers. Yep. That's right. That's what's going to be exciting for me because I'll be able to hear him, me, and the other guy. Yep. That's right. Like, And we'll be able to like, okay, and then we can... and we're all gonna dogpile and give the the worst performance <laughs> the most amount of shit. We absolutely mercilessly. I think we're all agreeing we do to that. A little bet between the three of us. Chris, wait a minute. Are you one of the drivers? <laughs> I, I don't know where we stand on that. I think we need to f- still figure that out because I know Jaden and you are doing one each. Yeah. And I didn't know if I was still or not, so we have to figure that out. Chris is Chris is going to be pulling in Belvedere, Illinois. Uh, we'll get you guys a date out there. So if anybody wants to come, uh, actually, out that and was see my pull. Oh. <laughs> Chris is going to be pulling yeah. in Woodstock next Ooh, Wednesday. I'm busy that day. Oh. Wednesday. I'm busy that day. No, you're busy uh, Tuesday. And Wednesday. <laughs> and this is who I work with, people. Yeah, so we're, we're going to figure that out. This that, is a little be, insight the, into planning. A little planning. suspense. A little suspense to leave this episode <laughs> with, and we'll follow up next week. Absolutely. Hey, guys, stick around. Uh, we're going to have our remote support expert, Sean Lynn, coming to talk to us about some L5P topics here in just a moment. Sean Lynn, remote support expert. How the hell are you? Great. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Sean, uh, we did today's show a little bit out of order, but I was glad that we had time to bring you on to talk about a really exciting topic, which is L5P tuning installs. Yeah, we get a lot of questions on it on a daily basis, so I've pretty much been through the ringer in terms of uh, issues that have come up. (laughs) Now, with L5P tuning, guys, you're not able to just plug into your OBD2 port and flash. We actually have to remove your ECM and install a new unlocked ECM, uh, and then either install the tuning or sometimes it'll come with the tuning already on it, depending on how you ordered it. Uh, Either way, it is a bit of a process, right? So it takes a little bit longer than any of our other tuning does to to actually get going on your truck. Yeah, and the one nice thing about it is that if you ever need to go back to stock, you can literally just install your stock ECM. It's as easy as that. Nice, nice. All right. uh, Now, I know there are some very common questions, so I am going to lay out some of the questions, then we'll see how you, Mr. Remote Support Expert, handle them. Sound good? Works for me. All right. Um, Number one. How do I start the L5P swap process? Well, um, the first thing you're going to need to do is obviously get the HP Tuners program and everything all set up. And you need to read segments off of the ECM. So it's part of the swap process and the instructions we provide. That just needs to be done before you actually remove the factory ECM. And then you can swap it over. Okay, so I put the new ECM in after I've installed HP Tuners on my laptop, and I've done the read process, correct? That's right. The segment read process. Okay, cool. Um, once I have it in, when how do I change the tunes? As long as you ordered the full uh, tune package from us, the new ECM will come with the tuning already loaded on it. So once you complete the swap process, basically all you have to do is cycle the ignition to the on position which is, for the older models, the 19 and down models, you just obviously put it to run. In the 2020s, you have to push and hold the ignition button for seven seconds. Okay. Um, you will then turn the cruise control off, and then if you hit the cruise cancel button and you hit the plus or the minus button, you should see your tachometer move. 
to tell you that your truck is changing tunes and which one it's in. Gotcha. Okay, so so on your on your RPM gauge, your tachometer, you'll see like a one through six or something. I forget what it is. One through five, maybe. Um, that's one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand RPM. But what's really cool is with the L5P switch on the fly, if the truck's not running, so it's in the on position, like you said, and then you go through the steering wheel commands. It'll actually go to point at the number. So the, the RPM gauge or the tachometer will actually point at the number. If it goes to one, you're in tune one. If it goes to tune three, you're in tune three, so on and so on. So you can actually see, what about once you're driving? How do you change tunes once you're driving? Um, the process is the same while the truck is actually running. Um, instead of the tachometer moving one, two, three, four, five, the glow plug light will flash one, two, three, four, five. So, so the glow plug light will flash three times if I'm in tune three and five times if I'm in tune five and so on and so on. Yep. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, all right. And then which tune should I daily drive? Um, that would be dependent on how you actually drive and what you're doing with the truck. Um, do you tow a trailer on a daily basis or are you more of like an unloaded driver just going to work? Just unloaded commuter. We recommend tune number four, which is the street tune in, in that case, and it's just a good um, blend of performance and economy. I love it. All right. Um, how do I go back to stock? You mentioned it was really easy. Yeah, there's two ways of doing that. Um, the first way would be to just swap in the factory ECM because then nothing has changed on the truck. Do I need to read anything or flash anything when I do that, or can I literally just go out and unplug and unbolt? You can just swap it over. There's nothing that needs to be done to do that. Okay, awesome. Is, is there a second way? The second way would be to actually go through the process of reading a stock file off, and HP Tuners can supply you one in the VCM Editor program. Okay, and then you just flash it on there. and, and you, So you could flash your modified ECM or your unlocked ECM back to a stock file. I agree with you. I don't know that that's super practical, right? Like I think most people would just swap over to their stock ECM and keep it moving. I like that. All right. Um, how do I get my, my remote start to work again? Yeah, uh, we get this question all the time. Uh, just because the ECM is not the original one, because GM does all sorts of programming, obviously, with the ECM that came with the truck, and we just pretty much have to do the VATS relearn. And it's a procedure where GM programs the keys and all, everything together, and then it makes the remote start work again okay so just an l5p vats relearn and remote start will be active yep we do them all the time here in shop um, it is something that we actually have to have the truck here for obviously and it's typically done with at least two keys we need both keys to do it okay um, anyone that has a gm uh, scan tool the new one and then some knowledge they can do it all right, all right. So it doesn't doesn't have to be done here, but it's not like the old VATS relearn where I just cycle the key twenty times or whatever. It's about a thirty minute plus procedure, depending on what's going on with it. But yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And then you do need a specialty tool, a GM scanner tool, to be able to perform the procedure. Yes, sir. Okay, excellent. Um, what do I do if my computer won't recognize the MPVI two? That's the HP Tuner's hardware, and also in the future will be called the RTD, Remote Tuning Device. Yeah, we get this from time to time. Sometimes when people are trying to um, start the swap process, and basically your computer will sometimes install the drivers for you for the device, but when it doesn't, you just have to go to hptuners.com under downloads, 
and choose the MPVI2 drivers and install them, and I've never seen an issue beyond that. That's awesome. That's so rare when, when installing new drivers actually works. <laughs> <laughs> the only other possibility is you have another program open, like another VCM scanner editor program opening, and it's trying to read off of that device. Oh, yeah, you have two two VCM scanner suites open at the same time, and you're in the one that it's not connected to. Like, why won't it connect? Yep, that's pretty much the only time I've ever seen that with the drivers installed. That's a classic. That's where I know your boss would say, okay, restart your computer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I love it. Uh, any tips or tricks for guys who are going out to do an L5P tuning install for the first time? Um, yeah, I would highly recommend you have a good, stable internet connection because HP Tuners does require an internet connection. And then as long as you have everything in front of you, you got the instructions laid out, it's typically not too bad, honestly. But The pro tip is read the instructions. Yes. Right. If you read the instructions at least a couple times, it should make sense. But if for some reason you're hung up on something, that's why I have a job here. <laughs> I love it. Sean Lynn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Paul. Listeners, uh, we really appreciate you guys uh, checking out our episodes. Please make sure to go on and subscribe and leave us a five-star review. If you have anything below a five-star review, you're going to want to email that over. Don't put that out online. You're going to want to email that over to Chris Emke, that's C-E-H-M-K-E, at DuramaxTuner.com. Thank you so much for listening. I thought it was just my mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Either way.